Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And happy Friday, everybody. How are you doing? I hope you're doing amazing. Today, I have a treat for you all. We have one of my favorite people because it's also one of my favorite places to get food and all that jazz and i'm addicted um we have nate rue who is the co-founder and chief brand officer of sweet green and we're here to talk about all things food healthy lifestyle how the business came to be and just everything in between so if you like salads if you just like food if you're nosy this is the conversation for you so grab a pen grab your phone your kindle whatever it is and let's get into today's episode Nate, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great, Colin. Thanks for having me. Love the pod. Of course, of course. Um, before we get started and jump into all the cool stuff that you're up to, we always like to start with the question, what the term young influential means to you? And there's no wrong answer, so it can be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> uh, great question. I feel like young influential, at its most simplest, it means kind of the ability to bring great people together. And by that, I mean, it doesn't have to be somebody who has a big social following. It could just be that one friend that always hosts like really great dinner parties. It's great at bringing people together and essentially has the ability to just leave people better than you found them. Come on with that perfect answer. Like, I feel like we're done. Like we can, we can all go home. <laughs> uh, but to rewind us back, take us back to like childhood, Nate. Like, were you always totally. someone who was into food and sustainability and stuff, or kind of where did that stem from? Yeah, so I grew up in LA. Uh, I'm uh, half Mexican, half Chinese, and so grew up around a lot of food, cooking at home, and um, I ended up going to college in D.C., uh, where I met uh, kind of my two co-founders. And the thing that we actually shared was that all of our parents were our immigrant um, first-generation entrepreneurs. And so we kind of grew up in households where food was a, a big part of culture and community and, and also where entrepreneurship was kind of a, a, a very much like an accepted thing. And, um, and so... We, um, we shared a passion for, for building businesses and, and sharing meals. And we also had, uh, you know, a, a set of parents that were really like encouraging and allowed us the freedom to kind of take the entrepreneurial leap um, because they did, they did something similar. And so I really think it was that 
kind of shared passion of food and shared passion of entre- entrepreneurship that really led us to, to build Sweetgreen. And did you like, like growing up, did you like to cook or like, how did, like, how did you kind of like delve into that more growing up? Yeah, to, to be honest, I was very fortunate to have moms and grandmas that really uh, were uh, the main cooks in the kitchen and just kind of being uh, part of that experience from a young age, whether it was making dumplings or tacos or just um, being able to have uh, a little bit more of this, like such a diverse mix of, of food and menus was really the biggest inspiration for me. Come on, that's so dope. Uh. And like to fast forward, like, um, like in school and stuff, like how did you kind of continue with the entrepreneurial spirit and like all that? Did you study business or how did you kind of start to cultivate those skills and that like desire? Yeah, so we, um, so all three of us were actually in the like undergraduate business school and we studied business, but to be honest, we, um, it was really the fact that we we met each other. We actually all took a entrepreneurship class, uh, and we had to write a business plan. And I think that really sparked just doing something different because a lot of our fellow classmates were, uh, you know, after school working on Wall Street or having big consulting jobs. And when we told everybody that we wanted to start a restaurant, they thought we were crazy. Uh, and we actually had no experience in like running a restaurant, no experience in building one. And uh, we decided that, you know what, if there's, if there's any, if there's ever a better time, it's probably now because we're already kind of used to eating pizza and sleeping on couches. So the opportunity <laughs> cost of, of opportunity cost of failing, you know, right after school is much less than, you know, maybe when you have a real job and uh, you know, it's harder to, to leave. So we kind of, made that decision uh, senior year of college. And I feel like with a lot of people, like it seems cool to kind of start a business idea with friends and whatnot, but it can get messy by like kind of figuring out like totally. what each person's role is. So how did you guys decide that? And then like once you guys got started, like how did you uh, differentiate to be like, okay, like this is what you'll do. And so we don't step on toes. Like we're going to make sure we don't do X, Y, and Z. Like how did you guys kind of like balance those logistics? Yeah, so I've been fortunate to work with John and Nick for the last 16 years. So it probably, beyond most marriages, it's it's definitely a partnership. And uh, the three of us still sit in the same office. So we, we do spend a lot of time together. And I think the power of the partnership starts with, just starts with having no ego. In the beginning, when we started Sweetgreen, like I said, none of us had any experience. It wasn't like one of us was a technical co-founder or had been a CEO before. We all were growing up in this business together. And so what we kind of set on in the beginning was just setting a set of core values for the three of us. And really the, the at the heart of it was just having no ego. And so one person's crazy idea could go to the second person. They would make that crazy idea a little bit better. And then by the time it went to the third person, it would be an idea that we would launch. And so I think there is something powerful about the the ability to have power in numbers when it comes to starting a company and and making sure that there's a kind of a set of like aligned long-term goals, but also just that you're all really having fun while doing it. And I think businesses, starting a business is always 
there's a lot of ups and downs, but if you're really focused on what you're trying to achieve with your mission and making sure that you also have a lot of fun around the way, then, then for us, it's really worked out. No. And I feel like that's true too. Like, I feel like if you, if you're not like, if you all are in an alignment about like, okay, we're doing X, Y, and Z and we're doing this. And like you said, take your ego out of it. Like it's gonna, totally. it's gonna completely go the other way. Cause then somebody's gonna be like, well, I feel like I should be the one that should be the CEO because I'm the one that always brings yeah. all the deals, all the partnerships. And then somebody else is like, Oh, but I do the, I'm the <laughs> best graphic designer. So it's like, you kind of have to put that aside for you all to kind of get on completely. The same completely. And for those who are listening who aren't familiar with Sweet Green, can you give us kind of an overview and yeah, what of course. your role is? So Sweet Green is, uh, is essentially healthy fast food. And our mission is to connect more people to real food and do it in a way that uh, connects the culture and lifestyle. Uh, today we are, have about, we have almost 200 locations, uh, about 17 cities, and we employ over 6,000 team members. Um, so what started in 2007 has now grown uh, to almost 200 restaurants in 2023. Um, so it's definitely a journey. I feel like we've, even though it's much bigger than what it was, we definitely feel like we're in the very early stages of what Sweet Green can become. And my role is really uh, kind of leading like the brand and marketing and the creative teams and how we tell our story. I think what we've realized is even from the beginning when we started, the food companies with the best marketing were traditionally the ones that were the most unhealthy. And we just saw an opportunity for a healthy brand to take some of those ideas and, and that playbook of really entertaining marketing and storytelling and leverage it for healthy food. Um, and so that's my kind of world is brand creative and, and a lot of the storytelling. And I feel like that's so true. Like thinking back on it, probably at the time people are like, you're crazy to want to start a fast food like this. Like people don't want to eat that. And I feel like now we see different places that have like the healthy option, but like at the time everybody was probably was like, you're, you guys are crazy. Like, nobody's going to go here. And so like, how did you guys kind of keep the momentum? I guess like you all three having the same vision to help too, but kind of how did you all feel like, no, we're different. Like this is something that we truly are going to believe in. So I feel like it can get discouraging when you go against the grain like that for a lot of people who are trying to start a business or a vision like that. Yeah. I would say first and foremost, we had each other. So we had a lot of shared upside, but a also, when things weren't working, we had each other to kind of commiserate with, talk through it with, and just kind of solution it. And uh, I think that was really important in the beginning because um, we had a partnership where we could really kind of get through it together. But I would also say that we've never taken a traditional approach. Uh, we had no, we didn't follow the kind of blueprint of opening a franchise restaurant or uh, thinking about traditional ways of marketing uh, just because we didn't have a huge budget uh, and we still don't. And, I, and what was important to us was just trying to figure out the things that we loved as founders and how to incorporate that into some of the, the key business aspects. And so from early on, as an example, like music was such a big part of, of Sweetgreen. And when we opened, when we opened our second restaurant uh, in D.C., it was meant to be our big flagship store in DuPont Circle. It was three times the size of our first one. And we spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of money on it. And when we opened our doors, 
2009, we had zero customers. And we looked at ourselves and we go, we go shit, this isn't going to work. Like we've, we've spent all this money, we spent all this time and we don't have any customers coming through the door. And so we looked at ourselves and we said, hey, we, we got to figure out how to do some marketing. And the only type of marketing we knew how to do at the time was to serve healthy food and to DJ and play music. And so what we did is we went to Guitar Center, we bought a big DJ speaker, we put it outside facing the <laughs> park, and we just played music uh, every Saturday and Sunday for three months, introducing ourselves to the community, passing out samples, bringing people in, and and it really worked well. And, and it was our kind of light bulb moment where most restaurant companies wouldn't do that, and we were we wanted to find ways to continue to incorporate music, which is very much a lifestyle element into the business. And so that DJ moment kind of turned into a block party, which ended up turning into uh, a big music festival that we threw called Sweet Life Festival for six years, which had everybody from The Strokes to The Weeknd to the Kendrick Lamar. And really just with the idea of how can we have a party with a purpose and replace concessions with food that was local or healthy and really just bring food and culture together. So again, just how do we find kind of more untraditional ways to tell our story, uh, which is something that's been part of our DNA from the beginning. No, that's so cool. And I feel like that's such a good strategy that you guys did too, by like playing music and trying to really be a part of the community. I feel like a lot of times whenever businesses join in or like move into different neighborhoods and stuff, they don't take that time out to kind of see like, oh, what is everybody like to do around him really welcome the community in. So um, whenever you guys are doing that, like, is there like a strategy whenever you guys are like, all right, we want to put a new location in say like Costa Mesa, California. Like, yeah. This is how we're going to branch out into this area or we want to do the San Diego or elsewhere. Like is, how do you guys like, first of all, like decide like which neighborhoods and areas to go into and is there a particular strategy for how you guys um, try to welcome the community in a way that feels authentic th- to them and not like you're just, quote-unquote, encroaching on territory? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we um, we kind of look at each community very separate. And each community, we want Sweetgreen to kind of feel like your local Sweetgreen versus a chain of restaurants. And, and so we kind of have this internal mantra here uh, called intimacy at scale. It's like, how do you find ways to really make Sweetgreen feel part of the community and like that local spot. And so we spend a lot of time, even before we open, uh, investing in the community. And we actually have a kind of a regional community marketing team whose, whose sole job is to become best friends with everybody in the neighborhood. So whether that's the local yoga studio or uh, the run club or the high school or figuring out like how do we create the right influence in these communities so by the time we open, people know who we are and they kind of have this authentic feeling to the brand. And so there really isn't like an actual blueprint for it because every community is so different. And whether you're in downtown New York or when you're in suburban Houston, um, we really just try to take that intimacy at scale filter and apply it to whatever neighborhood we're going into. And so that's kind of been our framework of it's really just relationship building, one customer at a time. It's, it's kind of like 101 marketing. And we feel like if we can create the right relationships, 
introduce ourselves. Even a lot of times we as founders, we go early and just try to find the cool coffee shop or the, the right fitness studio. Um, and a lot of that is just like one customer, one bowl at a time. And so that's, that's been our playbook. It's not very scientific, I would say, but it, it, it's worked for us. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And I feel like that's key too. Like I feel like a lot of times, like the reason why I bring that up is I feel like with so many businesses, they're like, oh, this area is up and coming. They just like plot themselves in there. And then they're like, oh, I wonder why everybody's not warming up to us. It's like, you didn't yeah. really, like, you're not really connecting. And the fact that you, like you said, you guys have a team where their sole responsibility is to become best friends with everybody in the neighborhood. Like, that's the key there. Like, if people don't feel like you're taking the time to get to know them, but you're just trying to, quote, unquote, sell them stuff without completely really, truly connecting and building community, they're, they're not going to want to, they're not going to want to first get to know you and second of all, they were going to want you out and not go to your place. <laughs> yeah, and it, it gets harder as you get bigger. You know, I, I definitely think that the what we what we try to do is think back to our time in DC where we started Sweet Green and use that as really kind of the way to architect these other cities. It's we, we really spend time the three of us just meeting as many people, throwing these block parties, going to the farmers markets, you know, introducing ourselves, knowing the other business owners. And it's just that it's almost like that friend that you have in the city when you visit who's like, I'm just going to take you out. I got you. And and that's what we want Sweet Green to feel like, like the ultimate tour guide, uh, being able to kind of be part of the community, but also take people on the journey of food. And like uh, kind of zooming, well, zooming in, I was going to say zooming out, like when looking at different demographics, like say like Gen Z and millennials and stuff, like do you guys feel like there's like a particular strategy or something you guys do differently? Like say like, oh, we really want to connect with L.A. Gen Z or uh, millennial um, families who live in uh, like Brimwood or whatever. Like are there different tactics and stuff that you all kind of try to keep in mind when connecting with those groups or do you guys try to keep like a uniform to be like, this is who we are, this is our mission, and this is our ideal customer. So whoever fits into that will like, will kind of like flock to it. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of art and science. So there is a kind of the science piece in terms of we have a pretty good sensibility on the the neighborhoods that we'd like to go to, uh, the type of real estate, the co-tenants, um, the type of volume that we need to do in terms of our business. But I think what makes Sweet Green different is kind of the art piece. And what's important is that whenever we show up into the community, and I think a universal thing that our customers resonate with is our mission, right? We are all trying to provide access to healthier food and 
find a way to make healthy food delicious. And if we can do more of that and, and, and incorporate sustainability, that is kind of like a universal message that a lot of, like whether you're Gen Z, boomer, millennial, they all kind of resonate with. I think beyond that, we try to think about storytelling in ways where we can almost reimagine the way food is connected to certain passion points. So whether, whether that's music, whether that's kind of the foodie and chef world or artists or even athletes, we've always tried to position Sweetgreen as like, okay, well, how do we think about reimagining the way healthy food can change music? And so that's why we did the Massive Music Festival in D.C. Or how do we take the best chefs in the world whose restaurants not everybody can go to but put their menu items on Sweetgreen so they feel more accessible and have a story to them? And then recently we've been working a lot with kind of bigger athletes and reimagining what sports sponsorships are for healthier brands because a lot of these athletes are, you know, are starting to be starting to kind of be more conscious about that. And so it's just kind of whether depending on the community or the place, trying to find the right passion point um, based on where they are um, that connects to food. And, like, speaking of, like, the athletes that you brought up, like, when teaming with, like, athletes or brands or other people, is there, like, a process you do? Like, do they say, like, do the athletes, like, reach out to you all? Or um, is it kind of, like, a you all notice? Or how does that, how does that type of relationship kind of form? Yeah, the, normally the way it goes is we just find out that they're customers first. So with Naomi Osaka, we found out that she would come to Sweet Green a lot when she was in L.A. And we just kind of met organically and started talking and almost like we do when we go to a new city, we just became friends and we started a real relationship and, and we found that, you know, what was important to her is how she fuels for um, all of the grand slams and what, what was important in terms of her health journey. And so we got together and we put her bowl on the menu, which is just her custom salad. She gets at sweet green all the time. And, we were able to tell a really great story about reimagining sports sponsorships and, and her, her place in that. And I think that's how most of our partnerships have gone. Um, we worked with David Chang uh, a few years ago, and, and he had this idea of how do we get more people to think about kelp as something that you would eat on a regular basis? And for most Americans, kelp isn't something that you would think about putting on a salad but it's actually one of the most sustainable ingredients out there because it's regenerative. And we wanted to say, okay, how do we take this amazing chef, take this ingredient and make it super delicious and put it on our menu. So just finding ways where it feels natural and interesting. And there's a little bit of depth to these partnerships versus just creating a bowl. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you just get like an athlete or a celebrity to be like, Oh, like stay in here. People can now, look at that and be like, okay, like that's clearly just like a cash grab or whatever. But if it's like you said, like someone who's an actual customer, then they can naturally and authentically be like, yo, I like, I go here. And then their audience also knows where it's like, no, yeah, we do see her go. Like she always posts herbal or he always like takes a picture (laughs) in front of the sign or whatever. So it's like they all, everybody can like, they have the receipts in the back check. You're like, okay, no, they actually do go there. They actually do eat that or support that. Like this didn't come out of thin air. (laughs) And you can you can tell, right? You can tell when somebody is just such a super fan, or or when they're not. And I think that's what we're we're always just trying to define those super fans who are willing to kind of help us amplify our mission. 
And then, like, kind of, like, going back to our topic of, like, the music festival and stuff that you guys do, do you guys, are you guys still doing things like that to kind of interact with the community and, like, bring music in? Or what other types of ways are you um, all showing up, like, in person to interact and kind of build that way? Yeah, it's, uh, it's something we've actually talked a lot about recently is how do you bring more IRL moments now that kind of COVID is somewhat over? Um, we, uh, whether it's dinner parties when launching a new store in a new market or hosting run clubs or finding ways to kind of regionalize a little bit more of the experiential work that we do is something we're focused on. Um, and also finding ways to bring music back. Uh, it's something that three of us are still really passionate about. Uh, I think there's the number one thing we hear from musicians is, you know, I, I just really want to eat healthy on tour. And what's mm-hmm. cool is like sweet, now Sweet Green, it, for the most part, is in a lot of the, the cities where people and, and musicians tour. And so finding ways to just get them the, the fuel that they need to, to continue their work. And, and so finding ways to think about how do we like reimagine what that looks like and how do we think about incorporating music in a way that connects not just with one city and one festival, but in multiple cities around the country. Yeah, because I know, if, like, for instance, like, we have a sweet green on our corner, so I was like, yes, I don't have to like get yeah. a burger and fries every night. I can like have <laughs> something healthy. Because that is true, like, whether you're on tour or like visiting a city or somewhere, that can sometimes get tough where you're like, just want to have like a healthy like snack on the go that doesn't cost me three arms and two legs, but I can quickly get in and out. So that is true. And I feel like we're now seeing that wave, like sweet green and others who are like making healthy eating accessible no matter where you are. Yeah. And our, our value prop, like our way of thinking is, is we never want the brand to feel like we're telling you what to do. We never want it to feel prescriptive. Like we're telling you to diet or lose weight it's really more about how can we take you along the journey, tell you some stories about food, and for you to be able to make the decisions yourself. And we, from early on, we made this decision that we never wanted, we wanted to be, people to feel like they could eat healthy but still have a drink with their friends afterwards or like go to a music festival and still like eat quinoa. You know, like these things that maybe you think of like mutually exclusive that can go together and, um, and if you, even if you want to have a burger on Friday, like go have a burger, you know, like we're not, we're, we're the brand that wants to make sure that you feel like you're living your, your best life, but doing it in a way that, that fits for your, for you. And, um, sweet green is a part of that journey, but we never want it to feel very prescriptive or that you must do these things. Uh, cause that's just not who we are. No, I completely agree. Cause I feel because like, I am one who I love a burger and what, as much as the next Same. person, but I don't want to have that like. Every day and feel sluggish and be like, oh, I don't have energy to like go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and like for my for my last question, like what advice do you have for someone who's listening that's like, oh, cool, Nate, love that you guys all like formed a business, but me and my like friends or siblings or spouse are trying to start a business and we're not on the same page. Like what advice do you have for someone who's trying to work with like a friend or family member and get on the same page with starting their business? Yeah, I think it's, it really starts with being vulnerable and, and being very honest with what, what you really want out of it and, and what your time frame is. I think a lot of founders that we, I speak to um, 
don't realize that starting a company or starting a business is a, is a long-term commitment, like almost a 10-year commitment to do it well. And if you're not ready to kind of sign up for, you know, at least five years of doing this for like as your main focus, then it may not be the right time or place for you. Um, but if you are, just really being honest with the things that are important to you, writing them down, going on a weekend retreat and just like talking about it, maybe getting out of the weeds and putting your phone away and just having like a really honest discussion. Because if you can't figure out the, no matter what brilliant idea you have or success you have, if you can't figure out the partnership, it will always kind of be in the background and it'll always kind of fester. And so I just tell other founders that make sure that you're very honest and vulnerable up front and make sure that you're ready to commit some real time to it. No, that's a true. A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, like so-and-so started their business and now they're flying to Tokyo and flying to Mumbai and everywhere. And that's so cool. It's like, yo, you have to put in the work and the hours for it. So if you're not and that if you're not into it to like working beyond 6 p.m. and stuff or putting in the time like that is not for you. It's not always going to be just like the glamorous travel trips like you have to really be wanting to hustle and put in the work. And I feel like a lot of us get blindsided by uh, people's like highlight reels of they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. They were at this conference <laughs> and they're showing at this whatever their business. And it's like, yo, you, you're seeing that part. But there's a lot of stuff that you're not seeing, like the sleepless nights and all that stuff. Completely. I think we froze for a bit. Are you back? I think we froze. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I think we froze. <laughs> I'll like, I'll have, I'll, we'll edit that out. Um, it's all good. But for my fun question, um, if you guys were to do like, do a large scale music festival, like what artists would you want to like partner with? I'm now curious of like who you would want to bring in. Like there's no, like think of it as like, there's no budget. You can bring in like whomever. Um, it's a great question. I would love to bring back Stevie Nicks to perform. Um, and I don't know, probably some of the bands that originally played Sweet Life, um, like the Heim Sisters, we booked them early on. Um, I'd love to bring back Kendrick because he was great um, and really cared about the mission. And um, I don't know, I think there's other ways to bring music that aren't like massive acts but could be ways to to incorporate the local community like the local marching band things like that that i feel like could be interesting to support uh whatever city we're doing that in yeah that's so dope that's that's so dope i agree with that um well nate thank you that was so good thank you for giving us all this amazing wisdom about eating healthy i now feel like i can now justify me getting quinoa and then getting like i don't know in an outbreak or something after for dinner <laughs> uh, but we appreciate you for coming today of course thanks for having me colin wow how great was this episode if you were like me you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments so if you do feel free to add us at adweek across twitter instagram all the social medias and we'd love to hear from you all and feel free to give us a rating on apple podcast that always helps us and we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode so bye everybody
Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.